Temperature at the observatory, 30 degrees Celsius, humidity 80%. And that was the news and the weather from RTHK. Good morning. Welcome to Back Chat. I'm Danny Gittings. Your guest presenter this morning is Philip Wong. Good morning, Philip. Good morning, Danny. In our main topic today, we're going to be looking at plans to smooth cross-boundary clearance between Hong Kong and Shenzhen. This comes as the government announced plans to implement a joint control system at most checkpoints linking Hong Kong to China's Silicon Valley. Already rolled out between Macau and Zhuhai, the mechanism would allow travelers to clear both Hong Kong and mainland immigration at the same time, further reducing traveling time. Meanwhile, foreign business people visiting the mainland will now be able to apply for visas on arrival. So what would the new system look like? And just how easy is it to get a visa for the mainland right now? After 9.50, we're going to be taking the environmentalist take on the latest Amazon Nation Summit to tackle deforestation. Let us know your experience applying for a China visa. You can leave a message on our Facebook page, Backchat on RTHK Radio Free. You can email us at backchat at rthk.hk or give us a call. The number there, 233-88266. Joining us for the first segment of our main discussion this morning, we have uh, Professor Whitman Hung. Professor Hung is uh, the director of the uh, Greater Bay Area Research Center of the China Silk Road Eye Valley Research Institute. And we also have Professor William Wong, who's a member of the Legislative Council and Associate Dean at the Faculty of Engineering at um, uh, Chinese University of Hong Kong. Uh, good morning. Welcome to Back Chat. Uh, uh, maybe, uh, Professor, Professor Wong, we start, start with you first. Um, I, I know there's been some pressure from legislators saying that um, almost that it is somewhat overdue for Hong Kong to follow Macau's example of um, uh, this faster border clearance. What, 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 what's your opinion? Professor Wong? Well, I, I, won't take, I, won't, I won't just take reference of Chuhai, uh, what we've been saying about that. I mean, uh, we talk a lot about the, uh, the cross-border collaboration, and especially the, t- the high-tech collaboration. And one of the one of, one of the we need is, uh, are talents and, uh, and scientists, engineers, workers. I mean, there, there, there's, the way that we are doing it now is actually too clumsy. I mean, they really have to apply for world visas before they can actually properly work. But tourists, tourists, they can't work. So I, this is a very, very good thing uh, that I heard uh, this this uh, 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 thing. Uh, Professor Whitman Hung, your opinion? Well, I think it is an improvement. Uh, it's, you know, it's a, anything is an improvement over what they have today, okay? I travel across the border about three times a week now. Um, and it is, uh, you know, an improvement when you put those two checkpoints together, but it's still, still two checkpoints, though. I think we could do further. If you are in the European Union and you're crossing the borders of sovereign countries, you do not need to check passports. Why do we need to check when we're crossing two regions in the same country, even though it's a system? I think at a certain point, uh, I, I think the best way to do is to have a checkpoint for incoming uh, passengers. And then no need to check them when they get out of it. Yeah, that's the reason. That will, you know, significantly improve the, the work the workflow. Um, and that right now there's also this uh, health, you know, the the the, the, the black uh, QR code thing. Now when I when I take the uh, fast train, for example, uh, which I just did <laughs> two days ago, um, you actually have to go through like six or seven times of checking on different things 
including uh, your China travel visa as well as your mobile phone. I just think that is a lot of hustle. Professor Hong, yes. yeah, I, I, think, I think this is a, a good start. Um, I'm just looking back at my own experience. I haven't been back to mainland China for many, many years before I had to go through one checkpoint and then walk to another checkpoint. Um, with this new uh, clearance, you know, how much will it help? Well, I, 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 because you said that you haven't been back for many years. <laughs> and uh, I think it's easy to go through as a tourist, as a normal person. Mm-hmm. But we are now referring to, uh, you know, person who's actually going to work cross borders, mm-hmm. you know, going in and out every day. So uh, that is a big convenience for us. But, but when you look at what the, uh, the, the, the announcement made earlier, it was actually about uh, the, the uh, law sector. It would act. Sorry, I think Professor Hung, uh, we're, we're losing you. Uh, Professor Hung? Yes, I'm here. Yeah, yeah please, please, please continue. That, that, was, that was Professor Wong who was speaking. Okay, Professor Wong. So, uh, please, please continue, Professor Wong. Oh, well, I, I'm just saying that uh, the, 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 uh, the announcement made was actually uh, uh, for the Huang Gang uh, cross-border station, and it would actually take place in 2025, open it. I think we need that thing much earlier, even now, that we have to need uh, a special lane uh, for uh, all the workers uh, in order to, to the talents and the scientists to come over. I mean, we, we have students do that every day, but they, they just have to line up. <laughs> but the, uh, the Huanggang, the border crossing you're referring to, is being rebuilt, isn't it? So I think yes, they're, yes, they're, yes, yes, yes. They're, they're saying that, I mean, you, 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 you can't do that until the, the reconstruction is finished, surely. I know, but what about the existing ones? I mean, they can do you know, reno- uh, reconstructions, renovations. They just have to you know, rearrange everything again. Okay. But you- so why do we have to wait for two years? So, I mean, your impression is that the administration has is, is been being too cautious on this, basically? I, said, I think so. I think so. They could, I mean, we, we talked, we discussed about this thing, not now. We have, we have been actually talking about this thing three or four years ago. We knew that. We knew that because uh, we, we, the government kept on saying that we're going to promote uh, you know, cross-border collaboration. But what is this? I mean, if, if people cannot just come in and out. I mean, I, I talked about our students, our teachers. They actually live in Shenzhen and they cross the border every day, every morning. What, what about, you, you mentioned about the uh, port at Hongguang and uh, reopen in 2025-2026. But what, what about the one that is in uh, Heng Yun Wai? Because I've heard that they're implementing a new boundary control point where it will allow um, just one checkpoint. Basically, you have your two uh, traveling documents and you just go through one instead of two different checkpoints. Would that, would that help in the short term? That, that, that help. That, that would help. That would help. You know, but, but that's only one and the only one. Yeah. Uh, how many ports do we have? 14, something like that? So cross-border... Mm-hmm. You know, uh, you know, so we, we, we should actually, uh, you know, you know, make it uh, everywhere. I mean, all the ports, you know, all the all, all the uh, all the checkpoints. That's uh, that's my that's my next question. Why is it just in? Why do you think it's just in Hong Kong? Why is it just to you know? Because it's a new point? one. I mean, you start from scratch. That's a new one. Mm-hmm. That's, that's a new one. I think. I think. But uh, they they should actually be uh, more aggressive and try to do. Uh, one, 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 since the thing has already been built. And I think uh, that's been running for about over, uh, around a year now, a year now. So uh, uh, they know that it's working well. I think uh, this the next step is actually to open up the other boardings as well, the, the, other, the other checkpoints as well. And do not wait until 2025. Far too long. 
Uh, earlier on, there was uh, it was mentioned that, um, of course, when you travel around Europe, yeah, once you're in the Schengen zone, you don't need to show a passport at all when you're crossing um, uh, even borders between sovereign countries. Um, uh, so, um, Professor Wong, do you, do you think in the long term there should be no need for any kind of border clearance at all? I think so. I think especially uh, at least at least especially in the Greater Bay Area. I mean, uh, one could actually start with. Uh, we talked about that about ten or thirty years ago. Uh, about you know tightening the uh, the sort what we call the uh, uh, the second line border, which is the uh, the uh, the uh, the the, uh, the intersections between uh, the Guangdong province and other 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 parts, other provinces in in the mainland, and free up uh, Shenzhen, the Shenzhen border. So at least we can do that. Uh, Professor Wang, how 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 is that going to work? Because <laughs> I might not be too 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 uh, you know deep into this topic. I mean, you mentioned about not having a border, but I mean, right now, you know, there is two different jurisdictions. Until twenty forty seven, we don't know what's going to happen. You know, how is that going to going to uh, work? Well, but, but one thing at a time. We're talking about immigration. Mm. One thing at a time. Okay, we are to, only going to talking about cross border. Well, obviously, the one country, two systems thing still exists. We still have two legislative systems, but that's a different thing. If I commit some crime over the uh, across the border, mm. uh, uh, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll be subject to the, uh, the 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 legislation over there and in the mainland. Uh, which is a different thing. Uh, we are only focusing on the cross-border thing. I mean, just like just like uh, when you talk about uh, European Union, for example, mm. you have different countries, you're on the train, uh, you don't need to check passports. But still, if you committed some crime uh, in different places, then you will be subject to the rulings of, of that particular place. Okay, we're discussing um, plans to uh, ease uh, border crossings uh, with the mainland, and our guest, uh, Professor, you just heard Professor William Wong, uh, legislative counsellor from Chinese University of Hong Kong. We also have Professor Whitman Hung uh, from the uh, Greater Bay Area Research Centre of China Silk Road I Valley Research Institute. Um, uh, if you have any thoughts, uh, do email us at backchat at rthk or hk, or you can uh, leave a message on our Facebook page, uh, backchat on rthk radio free. Um, Professor Hung, uh, just picking up on this point about uh, whether um, we should have actually. Um, no immigration control at all going in, in into the Greater Bay Area, and uh, maybe um, instead uh, strengthen the second border between the Greater. Well, it was between Shenzhen originally, but Shenzhen and the rest of China, perhaps the uh, Greater Bay Area and the rest of China. What What are your thoughts on that? I think uh, ultimately, go that will be you can do that, but not immediately. I mean, we're not just talking about people who live in Hong Kong and the Greater Area. We're also talking about, for example, foreign tourists who might have a visa for Hong Kong but may not have a visa for mainland China. So there still needs to be a checkpoint there. That's why what I'm proposing is a inward checking only. Okay, when people come in um, from, you know, when people come in from mainland to Hong Kong, we can check their passports and, and visas or whatever that's needed to. But when they leave, you don't need to check. So, and then, um, and vice versa as well, for Hong Kong people going across the border from mainland, they need to check, um, you know, their, their Chinese visa uh, or travel documents. But then when they leave, they don't need to check. At, at least you cut one checkpoint, okay? Um, and, and that will already uh, significantly improve. Uh, uh, and even if you need statistics, what you can do is under the uh, authorization of the person, you can share the information between the two immigration departments. Okay, so you know, so you know when people are getting into Shenzhen, for example, you know they have left Hong Kong, right? There's nothing you can do just between the border to to, to another place. So, uh, if you if you go into the Shenzhen border across the border, they collect your information, they can share with the Hong Kong immigration, and if they know you, you know, then they will know you have left the uh, city.
I understand what you're saying, uh, um, Professor Hung, and uh, there are other countries in the world, the US for a while, where there, there's no Im- immigration exit control. But um, uh, normally uh, police and law enforcement agencies regard this as quite important, right? You, there have been several high-profile cases of um, people being arrested on departure at the airport. If you're not checking on departure, then um, uh, police can't, can't stop people who they might not want to leave Hong Kong. I think that uh, that is easy to do. Um, yes, you can still do the checking in airport, but and then if you're crossing a, on, on the road crossing between Hong Kong and Shenzhen or Zhuhai for that matter, what you can do is if you have a wanted list of people, you can share it with the other law enforcement agency on the other side. They can help. There's always always been this kind of mutual help between law enforcement anyway. I think the current issue right now, right, they are trying to do this uh, in Hongyun Wai first. Uh, I think subsequently they should be able to do that in Shenzhen Bay as well, because, because um, they, only in these two places where you can actually have you know, both sides immigration on one piece of land. If you're going through Luo or Putian right now, you actually exit the Hong Kong immigration, then you walk a long walk across the Shenzhen River, then because there are actually two jurisdictions, whereas uh, in, in Shenzhen Bay, or both the checkpoints are actually on mainland uh, places, uh, which is, uh, you know, across the bridge. So that needs authorization from the state council. I think in oh, the hello? long run, well, I wasn't sure, actually it's in the short run, we should uh-huh. actually consolidate all, and make all checkpoints like this so people don't have to walk. If you have, you know, I, I just walked through, I walked past uh, uh, Tian yesterday, <laughs> Okay, it is always a long walk. Uh, Professor Hong, I mean, if... Uh, uh, I, 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 I oh, yes, yeah, so I think Professor Wong wants to come in on that point. Professor uh, Wong? Uh, uh, I, I think we, we, we are talking... The, the point that we are talking now is, uh, in a much broader sense, uh, international immigration. But when you look at the announcement, uh, the main focus is actually about, uh, you know, if, if you are daily workers or special workers, then you can... Uh, have a uh, special permit or you can have a special track that you can go in and out. That's the plan uh, for the coming up uh, for, for the other uh, 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 for other uh, uh, checkpoints. Um, I think uh, that's uh, that's what I've been focusing uh, because I want to promote uh, high tech uh, and then the talents crossing over. Uh, I'm more referring to these special tracks that we can actually have workers living over uh, in, in the mainland and coming to Hong Kong daily. That's, that's what my point is. But I think uh, our discussion is getting much wider, uh, which, is, which is relevant. We're talking about uh, international immigration. Uh, then I think we, we really have to think about it more, uh, more seriously. In, uh, with, with, with boundary controls, I think what yeah, you're yeah. saying is there, there are two different areas to consider. One is yes, obviously yes, yes. local. Well, I, I, must, I, must, I must say that uh, when I was actually engaging uh, in this discussion earlier, I'm much more referring to you know, you know, Thailand's going in and out to and fro, uh, which has been hindering uh, the, the sort of collaboration between uh, the mainland and Hong Kong. Yeah, so so I mean, uh, as I was saying, there, there are two different uh, topics to, to to discuss in this white uh, in this in this uh, big big uh, topic. So, uh, local and also you know foreign as well. If exactly, we're just looking exactly. at if we're just looking at local, I mean, Professor yeah. uh, Whitman Hung, uh, uh, there is a big inf- uh, emphasis on the GBA now, and for down the line, there's going to be even bigger emphasis. There's going to be more job opportunities, and you know, local people in Hong Kong might be wanting to work in the GBA area. Um, you know, what are the measures that you think should 
happened to allow an easier flow of access for, for locals? Right now, right now it's uh, actually Hong Kong people working in the GBA area is very easy. They've, they've done everything. They've removed all barriers. Mm. So you can live there. You can still, your kids can go to the local schools. They have medical coverage. Uh, you don't need to apply for a working visa. So it's all smooth. But the other way around, mainland people coming to Hong Kong, it's difficult. It's not only or for this kind of, uh, like, working visa is one thing, but things like, you know, what just Professor Wong just mentioned, people come here for a short stay because of a research. Let's say they stay here for two weeks. Right now, there's no way they can apply a proper visa. If they come on a tour visa, they're not supposed to work. Okay? If they apply for a working visa, it's not for two weeks. So, I mean, these kind of things, I've been, I've been telling the uh, uh, administration for a long time that we should have the special you know, short-term working visas, uh, pay or without pay, that people can frequently travel um, and then work. Uh, what we're talking about today, just about the boundary, though, is another thing. It's not just about uh, what Professor Wong just said about people who come there, uh, you know, work every day, that you can apply for a special uh, kind of permit. That one is easier. You can actually have a totally separate uh, checking system for those people. You give them a different, different ID card, and then they, they just... You know, use that card to get back and forth the work order. But people like me, you know, I, 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 don't, I don't travel every day, but I travel like three times in a week. Okay. And, and then also uh, different borders. I, I don't just go for one, you know, border checkpoint. I, I go for like three different checkpoints maybe in a week. You know, people like me, there's a lot of them. And that is really uh, every time I cannot really uh, estimate how much time I need uh, because of the queue, because of whatever. Reason sometimes there are system errors, so uh, I spend you know at least half an hour to one hour every day at crossing the border, and I do, I do think that is you know really hindering my productivity. Uh, Professor Professor Wong, uh, presumably uh, some of the ideas Professor Hong was mentioning just now about uh, short-term visas for mainlanders coming to work in Hong Kong, two-week visas and so on. The, it, what's your reaction to that? Well, I I think this is good enough. I mean, uh, I, I take reference to our uh, car, car number plate, you know, cross-border car number plate. I mean, if you are, have you, if you have a factory in here, if you have some big projects over in the mainland, then you are entitled to apply for, for, for a car, car number plate. Why does it apply to cars? Why, why can't it apply to people? I mean, if I have a project, why can't I just use the same thing? I have a special permit and I can go to and pro. Mm, Professor Wong, is there a worry, though, that, you know, if we allow the short-term work fees... Uh, is there a worry if we allow short-term work visas um, for mainland Thailand to, to come down to Hong Kong? Is there a worry that they might take over the jobs that might otherwise have been taken by a local Hong Konger? I don't think so. Mm. I mean, I, I, actually, I, I qualified that. I must qualify that. Mm. When I'm talking about high-tech industry, mm. I think we're looking for talents, wherever they come from. Mm. You know, they come from the United States. They come from America. They, they come from Europe. Only if they're good, they want to, we want them here. And actually, so, there is a shortage of uh, workers in Hong Kong, isn't there? Exactly. So I also want to mention that uh, I, I, I think the planning now, it doesn't come uh, from nowhere. Uh, when we are talking about uh, the, the, the new government promoted the, the talents program, and then we are opening up, and then people can apply directly to get, uh, you know, uh, coming into Hong Kong to work uh, as an individual. So now we have over 10,000 or even more people who can come in now. So as an individual, uh, then 
which also uh, do this sort of uh, cross-border, uh, you know, free uh, entrance uh, program, allowing them to come in easier. Why did I say that? Because uh, in the in before this program started, uh, people can only come in uh, if you are talent. If you want to come in as a uh, a talent, then you have to do it through your institutions or your companies, which is much much harder. So the number of people who are qualified to come in is much less. Since now we have opened it up and we have more people who can come in freely, then we should actually do something about the border as well. That's one thing. And the second thing that if we were to do that, uh, I have a special permit because I, 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 I am a, a CBC member that I can go in uh, uh, with a special permit. But unfortunately, the, the, the cross-border, the checkpoints in Shenzhen is always packed. Even if I have this permit, I still have to line up. So if, if the government have to do it, they really have to think about the logistic of it to open up more counters to provide a better service. When we talk about uh, the cross-boundary, we can't, we can't ignore the fact that uh, the, 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 the boundary with the mainland was largely, not quite, but largely closed for three years during COVID. Um, and we talk about easing re- restrictions. And, of course, the fact it was largely closed meant that Hong Kong was able to avoid lockdowns and um, still, to some extent, remain open to the outside world. What happens if we ease all these restrictions and there's, there's another, um, God forbid, another equivalent of COVID uh, strikes around the world again? Um, wouldn't that be a problem? Uh, Professor Whitman Hong? Uh, well, that, that will always be a problem when there's something like a COVID. But if you think about it, uh, what happens between uh, in, inside China, if you remember, uh, when they have different cities with COVID restrictions, they also close checkpoints between cities for a while, okay, for short time measures. That is achievable. If, if there's, a, there's a pandemic, you can always have temporary measures. However, I think the, 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 to simplify the cross-border mechanism to allow day-to-day people when there's no pandemic, um, that is much more important than to worry when, there's, when there will be another pandemic in the future and then we have to sort it out. But if we remove these uh, border checkpoints between Hong Kong and uh, the mainland just to uh, simplify everyday travel, then another pandemic strikes would be very, very difficult. They, they, they physically no longer propos- exist. I'm proposing not removing the boundary uh, at all. I, I was proposing that we should just have incoming checkpoints. Oh, I see. Okay. So, so as long that as you... Already, yes. Yeah, yeah, as long as we're checking people coming in, right? You already can do a lot of measures for things like a pandemic. Um, but that already saves fifty percent of queuing time. Well, but, 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 but you uh, 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 you mentioned about no checkpoint. That's not the proposition. The proposition that's, that's, is that at some point we have later, tracks. at some point later, yeah. I think we should yeah. look at that. Yeah. At some point later, yeah. we should. Exactly. That, I mean, uh, so, so, Professor Hong, like for example, for for someone like me who's a, a, a local, uh, you know, Hong Kong resident, what you're proposing is, if I want to go to mainland China, I wouldn't need to necessarily cross, you know, any immigration checkpoints. But coming back down, I'm going to have to pass one. Is that what you're proposing? No, I'm proposing that with a local Hong Kong, you go, when you go into mainland China, they will check your visa mm. to ensure that you mm. have a visa, you know, mm. fit to enter their territory mm. but when you, but you, when you leave hong kong there's no need to go through the hong kong immigration and checkpoint. Oh, i see what and, you mean so so it yeah, kind of saves like half the, half the that. time doesn't it exactly then then i then i might be able you know it will be more attractive for me to go <laughs> will as we just uh, draw this discussion close will there one day come come a, will there come a day where there are no border checkpoints at all i think there is checkpoint you can still have a checkpoint but no need for any 
because you still have different custom jurisdictions. You have to remember. So there might be you know declarations and duties, and and I don't think that's going to change you know, in the foreseeable future. So you still need a checkpoint, but you need to, you don't need to go through a document checking. I mean, what is hindering us is now it's a document checking point. It's not really like oh, there's a checkpoint. Yes, there's a checkpoint. You you still go through a border, but you can drive through if you have nothing to declare, or you can walk through when there's nothing to declare. Okay, thank you very much. Uh, we're going to have to uh, draw this uh, phase of the discussion to close and say goodbye to uh, Professor Whitman Hung and Professor William Wong, who joined us in the first half of the show to uh, uh, discuss um, entry clearance. Uh, we'll be joined after the news by another guest to uh, talk about the easing of uh, visa restrictions for foreigners going in, into China. Um, and also later in the program, we're going to be talking to William Yu about uh, that Amazon uh, rainforest uh, conference that has just finished. Uh, so do stay with us for those topics. Um, uh, the weather forecast is, is going to be rather mixed. It's uh, mainly cloudy with occasional showers and isolated thunderstorms. Uh, there will be uh, sunny intervals. Uh, the maximum temperature is going to rise to around 32 degrees in the urban areas. It's going to be a couple of degrees uh, higher in the new territories. Showers are going to continue over the next couple of days. Uh, currently, the uh, temperature is uh, 30 degrees and the relative humidity is 81%. <laughs> It's 9.30, the news with Stu Pryke. Devastating wildfires in the U.S. state of Hawaii have killed at least six people. Large parts of the tourist town of Lahinia on the island of Maui have been burned to the ground. The flames spread rapidly, forcing some people to jump into the sea to escape. The FBI has shot dead a man accused of making violent threats against President Biden. Federal agents turned up at Craig Robertson's house in Utah to serve arrest and search warrants. The exact events leading up to the killing remain unclear. The authorities said they had wanted to talk to Mr Robertson about social media posts he had written ahead of a visit to Utah by the president. And locally, the government has proposed banning the use of loudspeakers for peddling in amendments to the Noise Control Ordinance. Offenders face a fixed penalty of $10,000. And more news coming up on the hour at 10 o'clock. Sometimes it isn't safe to go to the shoreline. Typhoons far from shore can cause swells, which will often cause huge waves when approaching the coast. The weather and the sea may look nice and calm, but your life may already be under threat. Stay tuned to the Hong Kong Observatory's forecast and warning messages on swells. Keep away from the shore and stop all water activities. You can also visit the observatory's website, hko.gov.hk, for more information. The chief executive will announce his second policy address this October. The government is conducting a public consultation. Please share your views on various policy areas. I would like to have your views. We will do our utmost for people's livelihood and the economy. And together, let's make Hong Kong a better home. For details, please visit www.policyaddress.gov.hk. Welcome back to Backchat. I'm Danny Gittings. Your guest presenter this morning is uh, Philip Wong. Uh, in the second half of the show, we're going to be continuing the discussion about um, travelling uh, to and from the mainland, but from a slightly different theme. In, in the first half of the discussion, uh, we were talking about uh, simplifying the actual uh, physical process of crossing the border, which can apply to everyone, but particularly, of course, applies to um, Hong Kong residents who are holding um, uh, mainland home, home return permits um, and can use machines going all the way across. And 
in in the uh, second half, we, we we want to switch to the very important topic of foreigners like myself, who um, actually um, maybe we can use machines on the Hong Kong side, but we need a visa to enter China. And uh, we should remember, of course, that uh, China was closed during the pandemic. It's still only, I mean, it's less than a year since China started uh, reopening. There have been recent announcements about um, uh, making it easier to apply for um, visas on arrival, but certainly many foreigners who've been crossing the border to uh, Shenzhen um, in recent months under the existing arrangements have, have experienced very long delays. So uh, if you've had any experiences yourself on this, you have any comments, uh, do, do email us at backchatterrthk.hk or you can leave a comment on our Facebook page, Backchat on RTHK Radio Free. Uh, to discuss the uh, this, this side of the topic in terms of travelling into China, the visa arrangements for foreigners, we're, we're joined in our uh, Queensway studio by Xenia Vivas. Uh, she is the general manager of the uh, Spanish Chamber of Commerce in Hong Kong. Uh, good morning. Welcome to Backchat. Hi, good morning. Thank you for having me. <laughs> well, I, maybe you can just start by giving your impression of, of the uh, current ease, difficulty for your members of travelling in, 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 into China. I, I, I've read a lot of sort of frustrated comments on uh, social media in recent months. On the other hand, some people seem to think things are starting to improve quite a lot. Well, what's your take? Yes, I mean, first of all, thank you for hosting this very important uh, talk about this issue because this is something that always, always comes um, up when we talk with our member companies at the chamber. So this is definitely something that I'm happy to be talking about and I hope the government can, um, well, I can listen to some of the things that we have to say. Um, so First of all, there's uh, something very weird, which is that when companies or when people living in Hong Kong, that they are not permanent residents, so non-permanent residents want to go to China and they want to apply for a business visa, then they, they will get a multi-entry visa for six months. Whereas uh, people uh, in Spain, so Spanish residents living in Spain, if they apply for the same business visa, they can get it for up to one year. So this is something that doesn't make a lot of sense. So I think this is uh, definitely something that the government should be looking into because, um, well, I mean, it doesn't make sense uh, that we are closer to China, but then we get a visa that is shorter in time. So this is one of the things that always come up. Isn't and then the problem there, to pick up on that point, they, they almost, almost, you might be told by the visa office that you should really have applied in your home country, right? I mean, visa offices often have that kind of attitude. You should be applying in your home country. Yes, the thing is, um, well... Uh, I mean, if you're living here, I agree. That you could say Spain is not... No longer your home, but, um, exactly, uh, but exactly. that would be their sort of uh, rationale why they're, 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 they're making those kind of decisions, perhaps. Yeah, but the things we are living in Hong Kong, so we are uh, Hong Kong residents, but non-permanent residents, so that makes this, uh, well, this little trouble. So uh, that's definitely something to look into, I think. And another thing is when traveling to, to China, then um, our members always uh, come up with this uh, thing that they are always asked for the the letter of the invitation letter when clearing the the immigration, and they are asked for this. Uh, again and again. So this is a document that has been submitted when applying for the business visa, right? But then um, sometimes uh, agents at the customs keep asking for the invitation letter again and again. And then I have a client who actually missed the train to Shenzhen and um, who missed a very important meeting because he had to go through finding this invitation letter again when I think that this is something that when you have had a visa approved with this document, then this shouldn't be asked for again, right? So these are just little issues that I think could be smoothed. 
Xenia, as a you know uh, someone born in Hong Kong and a local, it's very easy for me to go to mainland China, and also it's easy to go you know elsewhere around the world except for the U.S. There, <laughs> there's some um, there's some countries I'm not going to name which I do have to apply for visas, and I do find it troublesome. But you know, for your case, you know, going from Hong Kong as a Spanish citizen to mainland China, what and and if you if for businesses, what is the process like? You know, how long does it take? Is it really tr- that troublesome? So, I mean, uh, the regular process doesn't take that much. And plus, there's like um, a speedy uh, way to get the visa that you can actually get the, the visa for the day after your your application. I think regular time is about three days. But the thing that we have found is that especially after COVID, so um, March, April, there were huge lines and the application process took a long time. So it was about four weeks to get your visa. So that was definitely a problem. I think it's getting better right now. But wow, the waiting line has been long my um my, my co-host here um, philip referred to visa difficulties in other countries of course china's defense which I, i've seen has been been put before is they say well um compared internationally i guess there may be problems getting china visas but compared internationally and they don't name specific countries but it's not hard to <laughs> realize they're talking about places like the u.s that um uh, waiting times for visas and the uh paperwork you have to go through to get visas is, is still um relatively less Yes, yes, I think, um, well, I mean, it, it's possible. It's just that uh, it has been lengthy uh, in time. This uh, after, after the opening, which is also normal because a lot of people were looking forward to go back to China after so long. Well, let's look forward also. I mean, in terms of um, we've, the, the whole theme of the program and the government says that this is, is their goal is to make it easier to travel, travel to the mainland. Um, so those are a couple of uh, immediate steps you made, but those are sort of really administrative matters. How long is the visa and what document? you have to show but in the long term what would really i mean would it there's been a lot of talk about a a gba GBA visa which would just allow you to travel into the greater bay area Would, would, would those kind of things really help your members or do they want to go further afield anyway no i mean that would definitely be amazing uh it would help a lot uh, our members because they are really mostly traveling to the GBA area. So uh, Shenzhen, Guangzhou, other cities in Guangdong. So it would definitely be something to look into. I mean, um, even to go to Canton Fair, you know, I know there's uh, there's a special visa coming up now to go to Canton Fair for some hours. Um, but yes, a, a GBA visa would be definitely really, really helpful because I think um, business people from Hong Kong are mostly going to this area in mainland China anyways. With the GBA visa, you know, that uh, Danny suggested and you think it's a good idea, are there any other proposals that you would suggest? No, I mean, I think it's something that um, is a bit complicated to turn into a reality. So we will see. Uh, but let's not put our hopes up because, um, well, the, the GBA still has a lot of uh, potential and a lot of things to tackle before it becomes a tangible reality and something that can really benefit all of its um all, all of the people that want to benefit from this region, from this area. And uh, it would be great to have this visa, but I don't think it's something that will happen shortly. Um, you talk about the uh, difficulties applying for visas and you have to wait and, and so on. I mean, a, a way to avoid that is if um, visas were granted on, on arrival, what's called the landing visas. In fact, the, minist- uh, I think the Ministry of Foreign Affairs uh, did say, uh, I mean, just, I think just last week, they said they want to make it easier for overseas business travellers to apply for landing visas, including those wanting to visit China for business meetings, exhibitions or investment um, and pre- uh, pre- unable to secure permission before the trip. And after entry, they could upgrade their on arrival visa to a multiple entry visa 
visa valid for up to three years, that, that would be a game changer, presumably, wouldn't it? Yes, I mean, any, anything that smooths the process is a good idea. I think this is actually what's happening with uh, visas to go to the Canton Fair. So they are visas on arrival, and then you get this um, this visa to stay there for maybe four or four days or a week, I forgot. And that's definitely something um, that would smooth um business in China for foreigners and it's something that we would definitely encourage the government to look into. Um, but at the same time, we would also need this to be a process that is really smooth and that doesn't take a lot of hours because, for example, what happens now, as you may know, in Shenzhen for visas, uh, tourist visas, if you go there on arrival, you need to wait maybe five hours to get that visa. So, wow, we wouldn't want that to happen to business people traveling to get a business on business visa on arrival and then having to be there for the whole morning waiting for it. Yeah, let's follow up on that issue. I, I know as the um, Chamber of Commerce, you're primarily concerned with business visas, but clearly you're, you're aware of the issue about tourist visas and that's something that's going to affect a lot of our, our listeners here that that has been a serious problem over the last few months hasn't it just that they um, they seem to have a very limited quota for visas on arrival at border crossings people have been getting there sort of at uh, uh, 6 a.m and so on to queue up haven't they De- definitely i mean uh you need to go there early and then as you said there's a quota so you go there in the afternoon there's no quota you need to go back to, go- to hong kong um yeah i think that should be relaxed because uh well it, it doesn't make much sense to to, to go there at 3 p.m and having to go back home right because there's no more quotas for visas on arrival i think we we all want uh china to prosper we all want to go to china so it's a good idea to smooth this process for people who are willing to go to to discover uh places uh for tourists you know for as a in a tourist sense so i think yeah, definitely. This needs to be looked into. I mean, I mean Zinia, I, I'm not sure how long you've been working as a general manager at the Spanish Chamber of Commerce, but have you actually seen any improvements over the years? Um, are you talking about uh, tourist visas? Uh, or? T- t- tourist uh, visas in general. Um, I think um, it, it hasn't changed much. So um, as far as I can tell, and I, I got to Hong Kong in 2008, I think that, um, well, I haven't think I haven't seen a lot of improvement. So I would say that uh, we're yes, we're talking about a lot of things, and maybe these uh, business business visas on arrival could be a thing, but the the changes haven't been that great. I, I was talking to Danny off air, and I, <laughs> that's probably not not the reason. But I mean, is politics in play? Um, I mean. Politics are always in play in China, I think. <laughs> but, um, well, I, I think... Um, Spain hasn't had any high-profile disagreements with Beijing. Yeah. I mean, it, it is a reality, isn't it? I mean, and I'm sure you're, you're aware, dealing with other chambers of commerce, that if there are political disagreements between a government of a particular country and China, then that will affect the um, how easily people from that country get visas to enter China, isn't it? Um, I'm not aware of this happening with Spain. No, Spain has always been a very neutral country. So, in this sense, um, we, we, we are happy about this, about the position of our government, because um, well, we, we, we live here, right? So we are, it's always in our best interest to have this good relationship with China, after all. And But I believe that um, it doesn't really matter if you're from Spain or from other countries. In the end, um, visas to China uh, take quite a long, long time sometimes and are not that easy, as we said, if you go to visa and arrival. So it's not where you come from, but actually um, how the Chinese government handles this uh, visa issuance for anyone who wants to go there. 
Okay, um, just broadening out, I mean, we've been talking about visas, uh, but in the closing phases of this discussion, let's broaden it out a bit generally to um, any issues that may face your, your members uh, travelling in China. I'm just curious, because it's very common these days with foreigners travelling in China uh, to complain just about the difficulty of paying for anything, because um, cash is not widely accepted in China anymore, and uh, uh, foreigners ha- have experienced traditionally great difficulty in signing up for the mainland payment apps, where WeChat Pay and Alipay. We have them here in Hong Kong, but the versions we have in Hong Kong don't don't always work across the border in China. Do you have any feedback on that issue? Yes, I'm so happy you bring up this topic because our members have been so scared to go to China because of this. So no one dared to go. It's a ridiculously go. silly thing. I mean, it's, it's not a political issue, it's not a visa issue, it's just a, a just basic practical. Not being able to pay. We've heard many stories of not even being able to, to get a cab because no one would get, no one would take cash. So being unable to pay for things, wow. Yeah, uh, like Luckily, a couple of weeks ago, um, we had this news that now foreigners can input their own credit card into Alipay systems from China. And so the the issue should be solved from now on, which is definitely great news. And I'm sure now a lot of people, as they begin to know about this, they will be more willing to go to China and start traveling and paying as Chinese people pay with the app, which is actually quite convenient when you start using it. So finally, we can use it too, and that's great news. So we're talking a lot about visa issue and visa difficulties going into China, but it sounds to me like from uh, your reaction that you would say actually for, for your members when they think about the, the reasons why they, they might not go to China, actually um, just the practical difficulty of pay, paying is, um, is much higher on the list than visas, right? It actually is, yes. <laughs> so besides the, the, you know, the, the travel sum of going through the paperwork for visas, not being able to pay is definitely the number one concern for people wanting to go to China. But since we're talking about that, you know, with money, I mean, once you go into China, there are also some difficulties in regards to the internet. For example, you know, Google is banned. Um, there are other websites that are banned as well. Is that also like a hindrance for, for you know, your members? I think, um, I don't think so. They haven't been really bringing up this, um, these concerns, although it is a reality, but I think that they, they don't care that much as long as it's just for some days while they're in China and then they can get back to normal when they're back to Hong Kong or their own home country. Okay, and as the Spanish, I mean, your, your, your job is to represent the interests of uh, the Spanish community. Has the Spanish Chamber of Commerce actually tried to raise some of the, whether the visa difficulties or the payment difficulties with uh, uh, mainland authorities, both here and in, in China? I mean, yes. how, how, do, how Tell us about those discussions and how it works and what kind of response you get when you raise these issues. Yes, definitely. Um, one of the main objectives uh, for the chamber is to act as a lobby and to help our members in their concerns, uh, both business-wise, uh, politically-wise. So we have had meetings, for example, with Invest Hong Kong, which is the organization from the government here in Hong Kong who takes care of um, companies from abroad who want to establish themselves in Hong Kong. And so we have raised this issue so that then they um, they forward it to the Chinese authorities. And we have talked uh, a long, long, long time about these visa issues, about um, the visas being only for six months, uh, all these kind of issues that are what our members are worried about. So yes, definitely the chamber acts as a lobby and we, we, we bring all of these concerns to the authorities so that things can change. The problem is when you do that, it's one step removed. You're talking to the Hong Kong government. They have no power to change it. Yes, they, they can then go off and raise them with the mainland authorities, but uh, these are all... And, and, and 
when it comes to payment issues, that's not even necessarily a governmental matter on the Chinese side. I mean, do you, do you have any direct contact with mainland authorities on these kind of issues? No, but we did have a meeting. Uh, we have a, a, a committee called the International Business Committee uh, with all the different chambers in Hong Kong. And we raised this topic on a meeting we had specifically about cross-border payments. So after the session, you know, we had Alipay, we had WeChat, we had Octopus, we had Bank of China talking about their payment systems in mainland China. And after the presentation was done, all of us <laughs> raised the topic that foreigners could not pay using these systems in China. And this was maybe two months ago. Can you believe that after this, well, it has changed. So two weeks ago, I don't know if we had anything to do with it or not, but I believe everything counts. And the reality is that now things have changed. So I do believe we're doing well, a great job in this. just follow up on that. I mean, you're saying that things have changed. As far as I understand, there's still mixed feedback coming out about whether the new system's actually really working. What, 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 have, you, what have you heard in terms of your members actually, as opposed to the announcement it's changed, but they're actually being able to um, pay without these problems now under the new system? Um, I, I haven't heard feedback yet, as this is something that changed, I think, a couple of weeks ago. But apparently it is okay now to link a foreign credit card into the Alipay or WeChat um, apps in mainland China and then take it on from there and use your own credit card to pay with, with those apps. Just a really quick question for me. It seems like, you know, all the chambers of commerce need to band together you know, <laughs> to, to work on uh, one topic. You mentioned about having these meetings. Do you think you need to have more of these meetings regularly, you know, to help, you know, your members? But also, I mean, China is trying to open up as well. Would that be a good idea to have regular meetings with like everyone together? With all the other chambers, you mean? Yeah, that's right. Yes, we do have uh, regular meetings. They are not monthly and maybe not even once every two months, but at least definitely once um, every six months we will get together in these international business um, meetings with the chambers. And then we will discuss about these kind of topics that um, our members are complaining about or that they have issues with so that we can all, as you know, uh, as a... Um, as the chambers, all of us together, then we can have more power to, to discuss these things and, and get things through. Kind of okay, like we, we'll have to draw it to a close then. Thank uh, very much, uh, Zenia Vivis, uh, for joining us on Backchat. I think for the first time, right? Yes, for the yeah. first time. Yeah. Thank well, you so welcome. much. Welcome, and we look forward to having you back again. Zenia Vivas, uh, General Manager of the uh, Spanish Chamber of Commerce, uh, talking about uh, visa issues in relation to um, Spanish and indeed other foreigners entering China, and perhaps also identifying payment problems as a more significant issue than uh, visa issues. Now, perhaps an issue we'll return to in a future back chat. Uh, stay with us. We'll be back in a moment. 95 years of public service broadcasting. Stay tuned with Hong Kong. I'm Gilly of Consumer Council. Happy birthday, LTHK, for your 95th anniversary. May I wish you always filled with positive energy, continue to discover and report accurate, impartial and objective consumer news for consumers to shop smartly every day. 95 years of public service broadcasting. Stay tuned with Hong Kong. You're listening to Backchat. Call us on 233 266 and have your say. 
In the closing segment of uh, this morning's programme, we have a huge concern about climate change around the world, and we're seeing all kinds of uh, terrible uh, weather patterns in China and other parts of the world. Um, uh, eight Amazon nations, that's uh, eight nations um, with the Amazon River in, in South America, have been meeting to try and come up with a plan to um, uh, to stop deforestation um, in the Amazon, which is um, considered uh, a, a major issue in terms of um, trying to at least mitigate climate change. Are there conflicting reports actually about the outcome of that summit? I mean, uh, uh, some reports uh, say that, uh, that they made progress, um, um, uh, others that they actually failed to agree on a common goal for ending uh, deforestation. So anyway, uh, to join us, uh, joining us to, to, to explain the importance of this summit and indeed the, the role of the Amazon rainforest in uh, at least trying to mitigate uh, climate change and uh, what actually happened at that conference is uh, Dr. William Yu, who's uh, founder and chief executive officer of the World Green Organization. Uh, Dr. Yu, good morning. Welcome to Back Chat. Hi. Good morning. Uh, maybe first of all, briefly tell our listeners who, who may not be uh, uh, quite, quite so familiar with this, just why the Amazon rainforest is so important. Um, in terms of uh, biodiversity, he has, uh, uh, you know, several thousand different types of species. And actually, it's a natural pharmacy for human beings. Why I say that is uh, mainly because, uh, you know, um, for some cancer-curing uh, medicine, what we are now looking for, you know, from all this material or plant uh, that uh, we can extract uh, to produce some kind of medicine to kill future uh, cancer. So um, I, I think that's a very important natural resources. And in terms of climate change, you know, um, uh, uh, Amazon rainforest uh, used to be, you know, uh, a kind of uh, CO2 uh, absorption uh, up to, um, and also the release of oxygen. It serves as a lung of the entire planet. So they produce almost 7% of oxygen, according to uh, uh, University of Oxford uh, research. But, but nowadays, due to, you know, the agricultural purpose, you know, burning up the forest and, you know, to clear the space for uh, feedstock of cattle, uh, now it generates uh, CO2 instead of absorbing it. So that uh, is a serious problem. Uh, then we come to the topic is uh, oil during an extraction, yes. I mean, you talk about biodiversity, that is really important. I think the Amazon forest has one of the most amount of biodiversity. But for the listeners like listening, I want them to get an understanding of, you know, how significant the Amazon forest is. Let's say if one day, like tomorrow, suddenly the entire forest just disappeared. How is that going to affect us over at the other side of the world in Hong Kong? Um, uh, first, I, I think now the change is... Um they, they want to convert the rainforest uh, for uh, economic purpose and, uh, you know, financial development. So um, now almost, uh, I think, uh, one-fourth of the forest are seriously damaged. And, and, and on the one hand, you know, the rainfall uh, has uh, reduced in those areas. That is not uh, beneficial to the plant growing. And, and, and the other is... Uh, we, we will see, you know, some kind of drought uh, without water, uh, without rain. Uh, that also results in a, a, a serious damage in the area. And um, 
so you you can see you know the 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 problem and also for the you know Amazon has near uh, 50 million people and um, also uh, 400 billion trees with uh, 16,000 different species um, including you know more than 1,300 birds different types of species of birds tens of thousands of species of plants and more importantly 20% of world freshwater resources so how important is it we, we need to protect this uh, uh, area. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, as I mentioned, there are conflicting reports coming out about the outcome of this uh, conference of the um, eight Amazon nations, um, just uh, about how much they've actually agreed to, to, to do to try and um, to try and slow down the changes in, in deforestation in, in the Amazon. What's your impression of what urgently, most urgently needs to be done, and also how seriously the countries are taking it at the moment, or are they taking it seriously? So why we to stop the deforestation? Because um, you know Amazon rainforest so, so, uh, serve as a carbon sink. What does that mean? They now keep and embed all uh, 120 billion tons of carbon for us. So otherwise, due to deforestation, all this carbon will go to the atmosphere. You know, to um, again worsen the uh, global warming. You, you know, uh, now we have a, a, a disastrous uh, phenomenon in Greenland. Raining in Greenland never happened, never have rained. This type of hydrocyclic, you know, phenomenon now start to rain in Greenland. So climate change now is not a, a, a topic. It's now a disaster facing by human beings. Mm. So you, you will see uh, this rainforest keep the carbon for us. It's definitely an important topic, as you say, especially with climate change. I'm just going to move the topic a little bit to locally, you know, what we can do. I mean, in, in, in the urban areas, you know, Hong Kong is, is, is treated as a concrete jungle. But, you know, elsewhere, if you go to the places like Saikong, Taipo, the rural areas, you see a lot of greenery, a lot of trees, um, a lot of diversity as well. You know, should we be more aware of, you know, our surrounding area here? I, I, I think um, first, uh, for all new development, the new region, new areas, we need to make it a low carbon zone, a development zone, or even a carbon neutral development zone. After identifying, you know, all these hotspots, you know, brought by global warming, uh, that will bring um, dangers to human life. We, we should uh, be aware. But on the other hand, is our construction. We need to bring, you know, uh, low carbon concrete, uh, all this, uh, you know, uh, low and better carbon, uh, even concrete inside to absorb uh, CO2. So we need to think the other way, uh, not, not the traditional way, but uh, how to reduce carbon to zero. That's to be our aim for every development. And do you think environmental awareness is improving in Hong Kong on these kind of issues? Just quickly, I, I, I think it's uh, much better, but much better now, as you can experience yourself in this summer. You know, can you stand? You know, all this uh, immersed heat on the street nowadays. So things have changed. The world has changed. We need to take action now. Okay, I will have to call it to a close there, and we thank uh, very much uh, William Yu for joining us to talk about this important topic. 
Um, and that's all we've got for time for today. And thank you very much uh, to our guest presenter, Philip Wong. Um, I'll be back tomorrow uh, with uh, Mike Rouse. So uh, do join us then. And if you'd like to send any comments in before, uh, you can email us at backchat at rthk.hk or leave a comment on our Facebook page. Uh, we'll see you tomorrow. Thank you.